Welcome to the Yoga Addiction. If you're a yoga teacher or student who wants a deeper understanding of yoga with respect to science, health, and longevity, this podcast is for you. Every week, we'll dive deep into a topic to help you be a better yogi, teacher, and communicator. We want to give you a practical understanding of the current science related to yoga and help you create quality, safe, and inspired classes, whether they are for yourself at home or for your students. I'm Natalie Sanger. And I'm Sandy Hewitt. We look forward to you taking part in our conversations. Hey, Sandy. Hey, Nat. What's up? Well, I think I want to talk about what our responsibility as a yoga teacher is. That's a pretty heavy question. Is there any reason why you want to talk I, about that today? Yeah. So I think that, um, well, I'll, I'll get an idea from you. I know I've had, I've taught at studios where we've done various amounts of things, whether you're making tea beforehand, you're signing people in, selling memberships, um, I've had to vacuum the floor, fill up the water, all of that kind of stuff with respect to studio responsibilities. That's kind of like one whole topic. So I want to talk to you about what, maybe like what's fair, um, from both, which we'll try and get into the brain space of a studio owner, which neither of us are, but the <laughs> teacher side and a studio side, cause there's both sides. And then as, uh, like our responsibility with respect to our students as well is a whole nother one. Yeah, I I haven't ever had to vacuum a floor. I've mopped a floor before. Um, And like between hot yoga classes when there's like drips Mm. and stuff. Um, Signing people in is pretty normal. And I actually like that one because then it gives me opportunity to like see someone's face and um, to sort of uh, learn their name, but also like know where they came from. If they came in in a big hurry, then I know like, okay, I'll, I'll give them like an extra little bit to relax or I'll say something extra like, hey, why don't you just slow down and then jo- join us whenever. Um, or, or yeah, you just get like a idea of like the, the pace of the rest of their lives, which is kind of nice. It's like a nice little insight. Mm-hmm. So currently, how many classes are you teaching a week right now? I think I'm up to 13, 13, 14, well, yeah. down, down to 13, finally. <laughs> yeah. And then, so for the majority of those, the ones of those that are at a studio, you're signing people in? Uh, I'd say like half of them I'm signing people in and the other half, there's front desk st- staff there. But even if the staff are there, I try to like hang out there and, and like see their name on paper, or see their name on the computer and like also greet them. Um, I just think it's it's a nice way for my my brain to get into it. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you're not currently like doing things like me- making tea. Are you still doing the mopping? No, I, I don't have to do that. Yeah. Do you have to mop? No. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's nice not to, eh? Um, there's one place where, yeah, like we had to help out to make tea or help out to watch the front desk. But otherwise, otherwise, no, like I think it's gotten so busy at the studios I work at now that um, they've just hired people to make sure those those responsibilities are taken care of. How about you? Currently, I am at just a couple of my classes. My schedule's all over the place. So it's like up to between, it's usually between like, eight and 15, which is a big variable, but yeah, <laughs> like in and around the, in and around 10. And this week I think I have like 15 or 16 actually. Oh no, one got dropped, but anyways, 15. So three of those usually are set and I sign people in for those. 
oh no sorry two of them and the other one at the same studio has someone there I like signing people in I'm not doing yeah no tea making um no mopping no vacuuming anything like that like I might just adjust the mats a little bit there's some studios they put mats out for the students which is nice I might just um change the layout because it takes me like a minute and that's kind of a personal preference but I agree with you in that I do actually enjoy signing people in because for the same reason you get to know their names um and it's kind of hard to get to know your students otherwise you can take that time if you go to a justice student or just going to give them a little bit of guidance in their posture or something like that you can if you're if you're good and on the ball you can say what's your name and try to retain that information in the middle of teaching the yeah. class which is a skill it's yeah, hard yeah. yeah but i know as teachers um teachers that are very like well practiced and been teaching for years can do that um, but I do like the sign-in process. I, I really don't mind it. I usually arrive 15 minutes early for my classes anyways. For ones that I'm signing people in, I'm more like 25 to 20 minutes before. So it's a little bit more time on my side. Um, and then I guess if I were getting, it kind of is with respect to how much you're getting paid. So you do have to take into account like how much time you're spending doing that. So if it is a class, I've dropped classes that were kind of the lowest paid uh that I would take plus signing people in plus vacuuming plus tea and all that stuff it just didn't work out for me yeah I think like especially if you're like a starting teacher like just new out of a YTT and and you know like a local brand new studio has picked you up because you show promise and because you know they maybe they can't afford anyone else um then it's like you're part of this like starting like it's a startup, right? So you, you do all the jobs, you have, you wear all the hats with the owner and you, you help them hand in hand. And I've definitely been in that situation before as well, like opening up the studio, taking calls, um, helping flip the room in between classes, like some, one of the studios I work at, if there's like a yin class after, then we lay down towels, or sorry, not towels, Um, what are they? Blankets? Blankets? Blankets mm-hmm. for everyone, a bolster for everyone, a couple of blocks for everyone. And then, you know, if there's a vinyasa class after, the yin teacher will like hurry up, fold all the blankets, put away all the blocks so that the vinyasa class has a, the room clear. So there, there is that. And I, I think it does come with like... I guess how old the studio is, is what I, I notice in it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And it's unfortunate for some of the studios that, I mean, they can't afford to pay their teachers that much. They can't afford the front extra front desk help or to, um, like a lot of studios use like a karma program where students will do that stuff for free in return for a yoga pass. Right. Mm -hmm. That's pretty common at a lot of studios here. Um, so if they can't afford to give that, then they're trying to get quality teachers at the lowest price with the most amount of responsibility and, and time needed to spend there at the studio. So it's really hard for them to get off the ground. And I do understand that from a studio perspective, but at the same time, there's something to be said for making an investment in what you pay your teachers. Yes. To the, yeah, absolutely. The, the quality of classes they put out there and then mm. um the studentship that will keep coming for those good teachers and it's not to say that like new teachers are not good but like there is that time when there is a little bit less certainty and you're struggling with your voice and you're trying to please every single person in the room you're doing that thing 
Yeah. Uh, so you're not like speaking to one um, specific type of student and like you need to as a teacher kind of get your voice, get your base so that people will come to you for what you offer. Um, yeah. And, and to be honest, though, like, I don't know if there's a correlation between how much a, a teacher gets paid and the quality of that teacher, to be honest. Like, I, I, I've been to plenty of classes where the teacher is like the higher echelon of pay group or whatever you call it, like pay, what is it, bracket? Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't that impressed. Um, like I, I would have gone to another teacher if I had known that they taught in that style or they taught in that way or, you know, just what they had to offer didn't jive with me. Um, and for myself personally, um, cause I got, I get different brackets of pay depending on where in the city and which studio or which corporate it is. Um, it never affects what I teach. Never. Mm-hmm. The only thing that affects what I teach is whether or not the room is heated or not and who comes to the the studio. Right. For the class with the teacher that was getting paid in the highest bracket, was that a full class? No, it wasn't. So that's interesting. So that's where you have to like, I mean, a studio owner would hopefully be going to classes or maybe they have a very particular style and and type of teaching that they want to how they want to set their studio up. So they're looking for Mm -hmm. that. So maybe that's really important to them to pay the teacher more or maybe if you're getting classes that are quite regularly packed, um, then maybe it's a good investment to pay your teacher more. But if you're building your studio and you're not getting that yet, that's, that's difficult. Um, and I wouldn't just say like, get a new teacher and pay them more and think they'll do a better job, but look for, look for a teacher who is kind of, I want to say popular, but is well received within the community um, with what you're looking to teach and offer them more to come teach at your studio. That might be something to look at. I know, I know studios who have done it and it has, it has worked just to like Mm. get like one well-known name in this, in the, in the city there and bring them to your studio and pay them a little bit more and the students will come. Mm. Yeah, 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 for sure. And and just because I had like that one experience with the teacher who was paid more, I, I have had other experiences where, yeah, it's like a senior teacher who was paid more, but they're also like awesome. You know, mm-hmm. where they are, like, they are worth it. They're mind-blowing and, and like, amazing. So I, I just don't know if it's, you know, it's, it's like, it's not consistent is, I guess, what I'm saying. Like, there mm-hmm. are some teachers that are paid more that don't really give that mind-blowing experience, to me at least, and there are those that do. So it's really hard to tell. I think if I were a studio owner, I would be, I would be in those classes all the time. Cause I know that consistency is a big thing. And if they start to drop in consistency, consistency, that's something I would have to talk to them about. Um, and as well as, you know, what they present and whether or not they're they're they are worth that money. Um, cause at the end of the day, it's a business, right? And I know it's like hard and cold, but, mm-hmm. uh, it is a business at the end of the day. We we all have to, you know, make bank. We have to make, make our lives work. So Yeah. I like eating. Mm. <laughs> I like eating too. Yeah. Eating, eating is nice. Drinking coffee is nice. Okay. So yeah. what do you think about your responsibility as a teacher in creating the um, atmosphere or experience or expectation from the student? 
Um, I will always look at the temperature of the room very keenly. Like I'm a big goof about temperature. So if it's a um, power class here in Wyoga or here in Vancouver, I teach at the Wyoga studios and they have their power at 32 degrees Celsius. So I will make sure like I'm on that thing, like making sure cause they're all like funky, weird systems where it's going on and off all the time. I really want consistent temperature because it's very distracting and some people are very sensitive if it's getting too cold, too hot. So like, I like a nice temperature if it's a just a Hatha class or a Vinyasa class. It's supposed to be like 24 degrees or something. Then I really want to make sure it's just a comfortable temperature for everyone to move and to relax. Like going into a cold yoga room sucks. I'm someone who's always cold and I just, it's not good for my nervous system. So I'm really on the ball on temperature. Music is a whole nother thing. Like my first training, my 200 hour, I was, we, we um, taught without music a lot more traditional that way. And I love that. I love just the space to be in my body and it just slowed everything down. Um, and I do that not as much now, unfortunately. And I think I'll start bringing it in a little bit more with some of my Hatha classes, maybe some of my flow classes. I have to think about it. But some, again, some of the studios that I teach at like they literally advertise that they have their teachers have amazing playlists oh yeah me too yeah so it's like this expectation and do you create your own playlists or are they provided for you yeah so I I I teach a hip-hop yoga class so (laughs) explicit lyrics any artists I want so yeah I create those playlists it's actually pretty fun um to do those Mm -hmm. ones yeah Yeah. I mean there's 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 like, I'm not going to say one way is right or wrong whatsoever because um, through the limbic system of our body, there's like this connection to music and memory and feeling like emotion. So just like certain, I've kind of listened to some random podcasts about um, like the minor and the major scales in music. And my mm. husband is a musician, like he plays violin, viola. Uh, guitar so he knows this stuff a little bit and he's like oh yeah that's totally a thing like certain tones in music create certain feelings so if you are trying to lead a specific type of class you might have music that and you don't even have you don't have to know that information you'll just know when you hear a song like oh this is more uplifting or oh this is a little more like um I don't know music to kind of like contemplative or something like that Mm-hmm. So you can use that uh, just by the sound and music and the songs to pick to set a certain tone. And I create a couple of set playlists. Like I, I don't know, I don't do it too much. Like, but I try and get a new one like once a month, and I'll rotate them through pretty well. And they're like a pretty even mix of like what you would feel from them is um they're not like overpowering you might not even notice the music in some of the classes because it's just Mm -hmm. kind of there in the background so I don't think I lead with music but I do use it and I use lyrical and non-lyrical 
I mm-hmm. definitely played a song with an F-bomb the other day in it. And was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, like, pretty subtle. But I was like, oh, my God. I think I, like, literally went in and just deleted it right from the playlist right away. Oh, no. Well, know, that happens to me It's like It was like time. a, yeah. Well, if you, you, can, you can do it in your hip-hop class. I don't know the rules for the studio, and you just never know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, people yeah. are. I mean, I've sworn in my classes too. That's a whole nother thing. But <laughs> not. <laughs> oh, there's some that, te- there's some teachers in here that like in Vancouver that just they throw down the f bombs. There's some really interesting teachers. Like, have no problem. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I don't know if I'm the personality type to do that because I don't unless I'm really really like strongly feeling something. I don't I don't like normally just go around throwing down f bombs like in in everyday life. So I don't think it would be natural for me to do it in a yoga class but i do whoa not yeah you've heard me i do i throw them down um (laughs) like a lot a lot less and i have to restrain myself when i'm talking on here but oh my gosh not really like you're you're consciously thinking like sensor sensors that beep 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 oh yeah like i naturally swear a lot you're a sailor. Oh, my gosh. Mm, yeah. I don't know. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, oh right. totally. Okay. Next time, like, you're around me person to person, which is, I don't know, sometime next year, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll hear me. I swear. I swear a ton. It's just like, right, I'll, it was I'll just, just in me. Like, it's just the way my parents are, like, not tough and rough people, but they're very like comedic and expressive that way and we we just swear as a family a ton and so do uh. all, like all of my good friends all of my good girlfriends who are like professionals and yeah we totally swear so, I don't maybe it's a Canadian thing do your friends swear a lot not not very much okay like yeah only when we're like excited about something you know like then it's just like or like angry or you know like there's a strong emotion otherwise it's like no no it's there's no need for that word really interesting (laughs) so yeah i try not to do it in my classes and i've yeah that's like a whole nother topic we can talk about maybe you know what like i think it does depend on personality like if you're the type of person that just like swears a lot and and it just like flows out of you easily then i don't think it would bother me in a yoga class but if it was like if it was someone that, you know, like, didn't swear the entire yoga class, like, the entire yoga class was very, like, typical, okay, yogic language, and then all of a sudden, there's this, like, surprise word that, that would be like, whoa, where did that come from, you know, like, did yeah. she or he try to do it, or, you know, then it'd be like, what, that's weird. Yeah, yeah, so I've been holding back just because I'm not sure what the rules are in each studio and um if i had my own studio it'd be a different thing and i know a couple teachers who have their studios and they're like the owners and they swear yeah 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 that's why it's okay um (laughs) anyways that came off of like from the music tangent but yeah so back to music that's something that i try to provide um to set the mood and again i would like to get more into doing it without music um Sometimes I'll do without music if I know I'm teaching something really detailed and specific within the physical body. Mm. Um, I will go at least non-lyrical or mm. I'll go without music. I might have music just when they walk in to the studio. I'll turn it off mm. to do a little bit of centering or something. And then maybe I'll put it back on in Shavasana instead, like a instrumental. Yeah, I, 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of, lot to be said about like silence as well. Like when you when you walk into the class and you turn off the music and then everyone like knows, you know, there's this different kind of energy. It doesn't just flow around. It's like, okay, now's the time to stop the energy and just like, all right, let's tune in. Let's let's get into our bodies and then we start to move around again and and start to have um you know, bigger bigger waves of movement or bigger waves of energy or whatever it is. Um, but I, I think that creating that experience, I think, is what we're talking about. I think that's a, a big part of our our job as a yoga teacher, that from the moment they walk into the studio, well, at least the room, there is a vibe or there is a intention that you set for that. So some people even say, like, no talking in the yoga studio, like in the room itself, um, just to preserve everyone's ability to concentrate or their ability to drop into the practice. And then no talking until, you know, after Shavasana, once you're outside. Um, do you guys have that? Yeah, they try. Most studios try to. It depends on the studio. Some of them are just rowdy. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I, I teach some that are just like, no, it doesn't matter until like the, the teacher walks in, which I'm I'm actually okay with as well, because I, I think creating a sense of community is also really nice. I think it, it allows people to feel like they belong. Um, and, and there's a difference between a sense of community and like a party in the classroom. Yes. So yeah, like if it's like a party in the classroom and people are like, I, I don't know, just like on their phones and, and being like too much, then, then it's just like, okay guys, phones off. Let's try to, if there's people here that want a Shavasana before class and let's try to honor that. Um, if you guys want to talk like quietly about catching up with your day or whatever, then that's fine. Um, but just honor the, the space as well. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think I have a too big of an opinion on whether or not people should talk before yeah. yoga class. <laughs> well, it's it depends on the studio too, because some studios you walk in the front door and you're in the entire studio, right? Like yes, that's yes. it. Yeah. Some of them have a separate little lounge area, like a tea room, and where that yeah. community and conversation can can happen, which is nice. So if yeah. you're just in that space, that's just the one. Like you have a tiny little desk, you're signing people in it, and the rest is uh-huh. the studio then you got to be a little more mindful about the way you're speaking and it is harder mm-hmm. than to kind of have that conversation which is a bummer but because I do love when I see students talking and yeah and making friends I just noticed in a class I did yesterday two students they're kind of like and I do this to my friend too they're kind of like kicking each other and downward facing dog and like that kind of stuff (laughs) yeah it's cute i love that yeah like or do you know you ever see the like the couples holding hands during shavasana i'm just like yes oh my god i'm melting so sweet yeah yeah so (laughs) trying trying to leave space for all of that does depend on the the physical space and and where you're teaching yeah yeah. oh absolutely either either is fine with me like if i were an owner i think i would push towards more of the community connection feel mm. and if people needed mm. maybe I'd have like a little space if they wanted to do legs up the wall and then you knew you just didn't go near them like don't stand beside them or something and have a yeah. conversation yeah yeah it's, it's like a little bit rude <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah oh I was gonna say if anyone mm-hmm. um like has any strong opinions about music or lack thereof music, we'll put a link to um, to send us an email so you can um, just send your comments or your feedback, what your thoughts are on that. Or you could always um, get us at Instagram, Nat and Sandy Yoga. Yeah, or just comment below on the uh, whatever your podcast 
experience is. Um, some of them offer some comment sections. So, oh, do yeah, they? We'd love to. Yeah, I think so. Oh, don't, don't they? The one that I'm using, I'm not sure if it does, but yeah, you guys could do that too. Probably if you want to actually get in touch with us, it'd be easier to email though, I would think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For direct contact. Yeah, yeah. email is, is the best. Yeah, and we'll link yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, okay, so the last question is usually the one that I actually get the most. So, and this is really hard. So what do you say when someone approaches you, like after yoga class, you're like, oh my God, that was great. Thank you. I really want to get into Pinchamayarasana. I want to do forearm stand. How do I, what should I work on at home to do that? Right. So it depends on, so you gave it, you gave a specific example there. It would definitely depend on what they were asking me. Um, so is your question with respect to more advanced postures yeah, or just that's, give, that's, giving advice it's usually, in general? So advice in general and, but usually for me, I guess, because of the nature of the classes I teach, they're a little more physical. There's a little bit more enter, you know, like physical fitness component to it. Um, I do get a lot of those questions. And I also get a lot of like the more therapeutic ones like, oh, um, my hip always clicks. What can I do at home to make it better? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if it's a little more on the therapeutic side, and I have an idea about what to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, then I would probably like, be like, okay, can you show me this really quick? And I would take a second, like 30 seconds with them be like, what does this position or this range of movement look like in your body? Okay, this might be helpful. And I wouldn't mm. say like, this is going to fix you. This is going to stop the pain. This is going to solve your problem. Obviously, like, working on lengthening these tissues could be helpful for you. But there's usually some other things you need to look at. This this move or this movement uh, or like this movement or this position could help you. And I would show them something. Um, and then I would tell them briefly like, how long to do it for how often like this one you want to be doing pretty regularly every day I would just do it before bed for example um, if it's something that I don't know I would 100% say I would need to look at you so much more in depth that's a little more complicated um, I can't offer you something right now because I feel like I'd be wasting your time or you might want to see your physiotherapist physical therapist massage therapist doctor whatever's needed i've had some people say they have like specific nerve pain so mm. i definitely refer them out now if you're asking about um an advanced posture which moves into flexibility at the end range of motion like the deeper into certain poses um i specifically would just say that i don't teach or work with my body in that way so i don't push end range of motion to the point where it's like bone on bone. Um, it's just not like, it's just not what I teach ever. I'll, I'll work <laughs> on creating flexibility in healthy range of motion, right? Mm -hmm. Beyond that, if it's poses like you're trying to do like the splits or something and you're just pushing yourself down to the ground and you're mm -hmm. not going to get there <laughs> because your yeah. bones are not going to let you, I would ask them to... Well, I just would, I would say, I don't, I don't teach that way and why I would give them a little bit of information about the structure of the joint, maybe. 
Mm-hmm. And then if it's something like a posture where they're building strength, then I might give them similar to, to the therapeutic person. I might give them a little bit of something to work on. So if they're working on um, forearm stand, maybe I'll have them in forearm plank with a block um, or some other little exercises like that. I might just give them like a quick 30 second thing. Yeah. 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 Cool. And, uh, and I, and also on that one specifically, like I would, I would give a nod to like potential, um, inflexibility, areas of inflexibility that, that kind of hinder progress. So maybe like the lats in that one, something like Mm. that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I think it's, it's pretty much, I think you covered it all. Um, the end range of motion, I mean, it's, it's really hard, especially with someone who's already really advanced and someone who's already very physically flexible. And if they say, oh, I just want to do like king pigeon and I want to get towards getting that arm up and and over in that way. Um, I think I would, I would say something very similar. It's just like, well, why, why do you want to do that pose? Um, what benefit does that pose give you versus a mermaid or an upward facing dog? Um, and then splitting the pigeon into its pigeon component, like the pigeon leg, and then the upward-facing dog for the, the backbend component. Um, and if they can't answer me for that, or if they just say, like, oh, I just want to do it, um, sometimes I'll be, if I'm feeling, like, snarky, <laughs> I'll just be like, oh, well, maybe it's something to, like, investigate about, like, why is this pose so enticing for you, you know? Um, and wh- what's the rush as well? Like, why do you need to work so hard at home to get it? What, what do you get afterwards? Do you get a plaque? Do you get a trophy? Do you get like, you know, and I think that comes from like the whole my my Ashtanga background. Um, after a certain point, it's just collecting poses to put on your shelf of poses. And then at a certain point, you just realize like, why, why am I doing all this anyway? Like for what, what reason? Um, yeah. Because you've gone beyond the, you've gone beyond the intention of the pose once you're just like trying to get them like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think bringing that awareness is really smart. Um, and there are definitely people that practice so intelligently and do work them work into the more advanced postures with like a good heavy strength based component to it. Um, and then just acknowledging if their body cannot make that shape, which for so many of us, we physically cannot make certain shapes because of our bone structure. And, um, that really needs to be talked about a bit more. And it is, it is like so many people actually on podcasts, especially the, people that practiced Ashtanga for like the last, like for like a run of 10 to 30 years, like prior to us that who've gone through a lot of like hip replacements and and that kind of extreme situations are are speaking out now more. But, and I think as a whole community, we're getting better at it, but just to, you'll see that student who has a lot of that flexibility, like you do naturally in your body and it's like, Oh, you're close. Why not? Yeah. 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 And then at that point, it's also like, why not right like if you are very very close to it yeah like go ahead and and you know maybe once a week work towards it but it's not something I would be like I'm gonna sit at home and put myself into deep back bends so that my tissues begin to change their form yeah you know like it's like something to work on in a yoga class and then at home just let it go like just just be a good human stop trying to be the Instagram yogi or whatever yogi you think you should be because you know, it's more important that you're a good person. You're, it's more important that you're, you're, you're functioning well as a human being than, than as that perfect yogi. Um, 
And for for a lot of people, I think that's a really hard message to hear. Um, and it, it sometimes it's really like hard for me to say because I know they don't want to accept it. So mm-hmm. it's like in one ear, out the next, and then just ask another yoga teacher that would give them the like, oh, just lay over your couch like this mm-hmm. and watch TV for like three hours and then you'll be able to do it. You know, like, oh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know. And you could like, you could look at them in it and whatever posture they're asking about, say like king pigeon or something and be like, okay, my concern is this part of your body. Cause a lot of people have put too much flexibility component or rely on too much movement here. Um, and then this part here needs more work. So give them something really simple to work like in their thoracic spine, for example, mm, like Cobra, if they want to do king pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> I think if I were like, if this was like 10 years ago and I was like, oh, I really want to do King Pigeon and you gave me Cobra, I think I would be mad at you. Well, I might do like something over a block, <laughs> like over a block, just oh, like okay. you know, thoracic spine openers or some more Maybe, yeah. thoracic, yeah. Um, um, targeted thoracic twists, maybe. Yeah. But anyhow. Yeah, it's hard. Anyway, and like that person, yeah. you, like you said, they they might not hear you, and that's kind of okay. Yeah. And I think we have to be okay with them not hearing you and going to someone else. But there has to be a no from someone somewhere. There has to be someone yes. with their head on their yeah. shoulders saying, "Like I'm not yeah. going to encourage you doing this to your body." And later on, they might remember that after the fact. Yeah, and they because yeah. like we talk about injury and yoga and in other sessions and other talks that we have. Um, and sometimes you do need to kind of learn through that practice to come back and then she might be, or he or she might just be like a person who is all about stability and functional movement yeah. after that. No. Yeah. And that's, I mean, this is like totally my journey, right? Like being an old Ashtangi, not, not super old. I only did it for three years, which is small in the, the yardstick of Ashtangis. Um, but yeah, like it, when I was in that space, I don't think that answer would have sufficed. I, I wouldn't have heard it, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not where my head was at. Um, whereas now it's like, that's the only answer that I feel comfortable giving. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense, you know? So it, it is like, you know, like I was there. So there is a lot of value to being that teacher. That's just like really straight up and being like, why, why do you want to do this? Like for what reason? Um, for what what goal Mm -hmm. just to have it okay you can have it it's a brief moment in time time passes and you're out of it again so what yeah and I think it's smart Mm -hmm. just to address yoga classes with that in general when we're teaching especially the more Mm. um the more advanced postures yeah like I was yeah yeah I was teaching it's hard bird of paradise yesterday and I was like I don't even care about the leg that's lifted I'm I want you to stay stable in your standing leg. Like that's where yeah. you can do the work, please. Like squeeze yeah. all the way up into your glutes and your standing leg there, like get strong. And then I don't care if you straighten your knee, that's a ridiculous range of motion for your hamstrings. Yeah. <laughs> like I said that yeah. I was like, yeah. who cares? Yeah. Balance yeah. is and hard. I, I think it's really hard to convert a yoga class into thinking that way. Yeah. Cause you're prepping yeah. them the whole way to do something. And then you're like, just kidding. It doesn't matter. Yeah, 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 it's like but psych. It, now yeah. you're done. That's, yeah, that's like the work. That's the yeah. work of the practice, though. Yeah, I know non-attachment, right? It's uh, yeah, I struggle with that one a lot. Yeah, we all do. But it's yeah. just like your teeth are always getting dirty. You just keep brushing them. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I have one yeah. more question, actually. 
Um, yeah. Quick. So what, how do you handle students? Or I don't know if you've handled very many students who um, come to you for almost like a, like not a not a, like as a counseling session but like they want some sort of more life advice maybe they're really emotionally upset they need um support like emotional support oh well that's only ever happened to me like outside of yoga room so i i got like you know um instagram direct messages dms about you know certain decisions or like oh do you have time for coffee and and like a little bit of um just friendship I think and then I I just deal with that like as a friend okay I I don't I don't put on my yoga teacher hat and like try to speak from it it might influence some of the things I say but generally like especially like the business side of things if someone's looking to transition into um being a yoga teacher full-time then it's like okay here are the real you know deals with being a yoga teacher um but if it's just like oh life advice then yeah I try to do my friend hat and like be that real person that they can you know lean on and I'm I'm not scared to have people lean on me um I don't have such a big group following that there's like there's so many (laughs) so it's not like an issue right now but I I don't know I don't know if it ever will be one right yeah yeah do you have that issue no no I don't I'm trying to think I don't think I've had I've had people ask me little bits of advice but not like a not a huge like emotional thing nothing regarding trauma or anything like that um yeah. but i do see teachers in our community who are used almost as an emotional crutch like they do take on they do hold an epic amount of space for their students mm. they take it on and they're good at it um and then i just wonder how they're dealing with the responsibility of offering that because you can be that teacher who like will really speak to the emotional body um Mm. and 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 all of that stuff um Mm -hmm. things can get pretty deep right Mm -hmm. but you're not like a counselor you don't have those professional tools and not to say that you don't you're not skilled in dealing with your own issues but to step into start to take on or hold other people's issues um well I think there's a a difference between yeah like holding space I think is something we all have to do as humans for each other whereas therapy I think is different because therapy is the act of like seeing the issue and and going to not fix it but to become more peaceful with it Mm -hmm. and that's that's active right that's like actively working towards that it's not just a passive I'm feeling this way it's an active something um whereas holding space is just allowing for um whatever process might need to happen whether it's crying or laughing or just being like no um or even just like to have memories flood back into your mind so I think as yoga teachers holding space is is a job requirement for sure Mm -hmm. to I agree you know to like be silent and to offer an experience I think is, is a big thing, but yeah, like therapy, I think it, it, it is different. And if you are a therapist, like I'm sure you know exactly how different it is because I mean, you got to go to school for that shit, right? Like it's not, it's not, it's not just holding space. Holding space is like where it starts. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. It is interesting with like when you start to get teachers with the yoga therapy training, Mm. and potentially bringing that into a group class 
how that is incorporated and mm-hmm. if you're like you're holding the space you're opening the possibility to start to look at some stuff but you're in a group class and you can't truly communicate with everyone <laughs> so it's like mm. you kind of like maybe you open the door but then it's like the door's open <laughs> ah! <laughs> shit like you deal with it yeah now. <laughs> i know i know it's like a it's a really hard balance i think i think it's like but I think it's also our responsibility just to like keep it open and be like, well, we're, we're, you know, it's, it's, it's here. You came here to be with yourself in a way. Mm-hmm. So here's the opportunity to be with yourself. Yeah. So you basically maintain that kind of holding of the space without feeling any need or, um, or responsibility to, to like solve problems. No, I, I yeah. don't think I'm qualified. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So just to, I, like I'm barely qualified to solve my own problems. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, like, so probably to those like think, more yeah. like empathetic teachers out there who might take that on emotionally, like feel the distress of their students to know like you're just there to hold space. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. I think it's like a, it's just never happened to me where anyone's pushed that boundary. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I've never, I've never been in a class where I've seen anyone, you know, approach the teacher and, and like try to approach that boundary again. Because I think, yeah, like at the end of the day, sure, tell me your problems. I'll listen. But that that's literally the extent that I'm qualified for. Yeah. Just with the, yeah. the teachers who share a lot of personal experience, and that's really effective for conveying mm. conveying something. Um, yeah, feel then that like the students feel more open to share their shit, basically. Yeah, no, yeah. that's yeah. not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not there yet where I can like share deeply, deeply personal or troubling things because I don't. I I think it's like you can so easily bring someone down if someone's in a hard spot and like hears about like my shit like that sucks man but i think if it's done in the correct way like i have some really intelligent teachers who do it and they just you they make you feel like on the same level you're like yeah i'm having issues too or like yeah that's my friend Mm. or that's my spouse or we're all Mm -hmm. like we're all like in it with our stuff basically type feeling Um, yeah yeah like that's I think that's like yeah there are ways that you can do it now that I'm thinking back yeah there is one teacher I can I can think of that that's done that and it hasn't been intrusive um but I think I think it depends where you are for some people like you know like sharing circles in therapy like for some people that that's very triggering and it's not helpful Mm. so yeah I think that just goes the the whole way back to the whole therapy side of things and i i just don't i personally won't do it because i'm i don't feel qualified i don't feel qualified to you know if if i share something about myself that means that i'm asking you to think about something in yourself and i'm not qualified to guide you through that i'm qualified to guide you through some physical movement i'm qualified to like hold the space for you but not to get into that kind of experience if that experience comes up for you that's fine but I, I don't know how to navigate my way through that Yeah, with you. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of like, that's kind of what I'm asking about because mm. there's just a fine line there, I find. 
And like, yes, you have your teachers if you feel like you can handle that, especially if you do have a therapeutic background of some sort, counseling or otherwise. Um, Maybe you can tap into it. But like I shouldn't. I think as yoga teachers, we shouldn't feel like that's our responsibility. No, no, I don't think it is. I don't think we like unless you do have a like a degree in it. I'm not. I definitely don't feel qualified. I I got enough issues that I don't know how to deal with. So, (laughs) yes, I will not put that on anyone else. (laughs) Okay, perfect. I love that conversation. (laughs) Pure honesty over here. Yeah. All right. I think that's everything we wanted to talk about today, right? Yeah, I think that's good. I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It's really interesting. And if you guys ever have any like input or any other like something to contribute that we haven't thought of, and I'm sure there's a lot out there, especially with the whole therapeutic stuff. Like I, I feel like I just scratched the surface of that. Um, please do email us. We'll, we'll put up our links there, how to get in touch um, and to really contribute to this conversation. Cause I think it's ongoing about what our responsibilities as teachers are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in the show notes, we'll also have a couple links to some of the freebies that we provide. So scroll down or um, you can go to our website, which is natandsandyyoga.com. And you can download all of our free resources there. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye. <laughs>